Penn State football is now young, and the team is poised to have a lot of breakout candidates for next season, but not who you would think. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. This episode is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me for another episode, a solo episode. Uh, we are back. It, it was nice to have some of those conversations with Jeff Byers, Eric Olson, Aeneas Hawkins. If you enjoyed them, go check them out. I highly encourage it. And they'll be back on soon enough to have more conversations about Penn State football, men's hockey, wrestling, and so much more. But breakout candidates, Drew Allard, number one, no. No, it's not going to be Drew Aller. It's not going to be Nicholas Singleton. It's not going to be Katron Allen. There's four potential breakout candidates that I have for offense. And don't worry, I'm going to have a segment devoted to the defense as well. That's going to be for another episode. But it's not going to be the obvious choices. Drew Aller is going to start. He's a former five-star. He He's not a breakout candidate. Yes, he's going to have a breakout season, but you want to look for those sleepers the people that you were least expecting or you know has the talent, and then are they ready to take that next step forward? So Drew Aller, Nicholas Singleton, and and Katron Allen uh, are all going to have breakout seasons in their own right because they're going to be much better than what they were a season ago. But no, they are not breakout candidates because who, who are we kidding? Everybody knows about them. I mean, Singleton and Aller are Heisman candidates for crying out loud. Singleton's one of the running backs with the best Heisman odds, uh, if you can believe that. Drew Aller has uh, lower Heisman odds, which means that he's more of a favorite than Singleton. But uh, I'll tell you what, I I would take those Singleton odds that he could be the Heisman. And technically, Singleton and Allen already had their breakout seasons, right? It was this past year when they were freshmen. Uh, They both... (laughs) They both just, they took over. They made the team so much better. Those two individuals made the offense that much better. And that helped the defense and and helped the entire team. So without further ado, four guys that I think could be breakout candidates in 2023. And the first one is going to be Amari Evans, wide receiver. Uh, This is, I think, more of an obvious choice and what people would agree with here. But at six foot, 180 pounds, he's the former three-star from the class of 2022. They burned the red shirt. They played him a lot. The The Penn State coaching staff believes he's the real deal. If you watch the recent episode with Aeneas Hawkins, former Penn State defensive lineman, he agreed with me. He said it. He's like, I know that this Penn State coaching staff believes Amari Evans can be essentially the next Jahan Dotson. I've heard that in the same sentence. Maybe not the same kind of caliber of player, but the same type of player where they trust him to be the true number one, where they trust him to have two different route concepts in his head as the play's being executed. And then with his judgment and Drew Allers or eventually Bo Prabulas, whoever is that quarterback with him on the field, that they are going to trust him to say, you are going to run the right route. So he would be a future number one. So I'm hearing that other people are hearing that and that he's going to be a feature number one type of receiver appeared in 12 games. They had no hesitation to burn his red shirt, which says something. If they believe that he was in, they have that red light, yellow lights, green light, the stoplight program 
where true freshman, you have the green light. We're going to burn your red shirt. We want to get you on the field. Yellow light. We got to see where you're at. You could move to a green light, but for right now, we're, we're going to like limit your reps and, and see if we can get you on the field, but you're mostly going to be uh, a, a practice player. And then red light is you're using the red shirt. You got some, you got some stuff to do. Uh, you're not going anywhere this season. This is a building year, but uh, Amari Evans blew past that. He was a green light player. And, and that just means positive things. Five receptions, 55 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he did have that first career touchdown with Drew Aller. Both of them had their first careers and that can be a more of a regular thing in 2023. I'll get to those transfer portal receivers in a second. Cause we got another one that's already in house already on campus. And that is Caden Saunders, a part of that same class, former four-star prospect and, he could have almost been a five-star, really. Uh, the number five wide receiver overall out of 2022, according to 24-7 sports. That's lofty praise, and that means something. Now, he's five foot ten and a little on the smaller side in terms of weight. He's 180. He is a redshirt freshman. They actually redshirted him. Two receptions, 21 yards in two games played. That's how he has the redshirt. Uh, and this is your ideal slot receiver, the Y in this offense with Mike Yersich. He's got great footwork because he, he's not big. He's not gonna he's not gonna push off the line of scrimmage. He's gonna use that footwork. He's gonna use that shiftiness to get off the line of scrimmage. And that's what I've heard when I ask people about Caden Saunders and what he brings to the table. And they say he, he cuts on a dime. He, he's truly the guy that can change direction with no issues. He has great release off the line of scrimmage. Now, I've made the mistake of comparing him to K.J. Hamler. He's not K.J. Hamler, and that's fine. They have a similar build. You know, K.J. was five foot nine, around that 180 range. But K.J. Hamler was a little bit faster, a, a lot a bit faster at that point in time. But where Caden Saunders stands out is that change of direction. You don't know which way he's going. He's great in the open field because he's tough to bring down. So don't let the size scare you and say, well, how's he going to handle getting you know tackled by bigger players? Not going to be an issue because they can't tackle him. Um, and then a note about these receivers, right? Because, well, Amari Evans and Caden Saunders, how are they going to play? How are they breakout candidates if they're not really going to play? This is a battle for starting spots. Evans and Saunders have been with the program. This is the full year two now. They are, they, they've been with the team, whereas Dante Cephas comes in over the summer. Malik McLean's got to get adjusted over the spring. Um, but Evans and Cephas are going to battle for the X, and who's to say they both can't get reps? Who's to say that? Liam Clifford and Saunders are going to be the battle for the slot. And then Malik McLean and Keandre Lambert-Smith are going to battle for the Z, for the starting spot. And then there's a chance if they like Malik McLean at the Z that they're going to move Keandre Lambert-Smith to the slot. That's definitely a possibility if that's if those are the three best receivers in Cephas, McLean, and KLS. But McLean and Cephas, bottom line, were brought in to strengthen the depth chart at the very least. I expect them to start, but they also have to get adjusted. And Cephas is coming in in the summer. We know that. So can he make up that time in three months when he gets here in May and then he has June, July and August, you know, you you're there. You got West Virginia 30 days out. Will Cephas build that chemistry with Drew Aller in time? Let's hope. But they got two capable wide receivers that have that chemistry already and can have breakout seasons. My third offensive breakout candidate is Tyler Warren, tight end. Uh, the H back essentially in this offense, which is the uh, quote unquote number two tight end. Uh, but he's, he's been a guy that Penn state has felt really comfortable using 
uh, in the offense because as someone who's been the third string tight end and, and someone who you wouldn't think would get as much responsibility, that's Tyler Warren for you. He's a junior, no red shirt used. Uh, Theo Johnson, you would think, is the obvious choice because he has had a quiet start to his career as well, and now he's the tight end number one. But uh, you look at Tyler Warren, and that's why I'm pivoting here because all the attention is going to be on Theo Johnson. But Tyler Warren, uh, he's appeared in 11 games, three starts at tight end this past season, nine receptions for uh, 108 yards and three touchdowns this season. And Penn State seems to go to him in big moments. Remember all those goal line wildcat plays in 2021, the short distance where he would line up at quarterback. Your third string tight end is doing that as a true freshman. And then the fourth and one on the go ahead drive against Ohio State where they break out into the five receiver set and Sean Clifford targets Tyler Warren on a passing play on fourth and one. Think about that for a second. You're going to Tyler Warren only if you think he's the most sure-handed target on the field. That's what that tells me. And crunch time, game on the line. You go to Tyler Warren. Late game on the game-winning drive against Purdue. When you're on the road against Purdue and you're trusting your backup tight end. Uh, it, it was a crowded tight end room, and now Tyler Warren will get that chance to show that he's a very capable receiver and a capable blocker as well. And speaking of blocking, the last player I'm going to nominate on offense for Penn State is going to be guard, tackle, wherever they can use him, Vanga Yuane. He's honestly the best lineman on the team that no one's talking about right now. He's a redshirt freshman. They were able to keep that because he did play a little bit this past season. Six foot four, 335 pounds, appeared in three games. He was a late addition to the class of 2022 for recruiting, if you can remember that. He decommitted from Washington, three-star prospect, but he's just a mountain. He's huge. He can move mountains, and he is a mountain, right? It takes one to be able to move one. Uh, and I see him playing right away, if I'm being honest. I, I think he's truly the best one poised to break out in this situation. Well, everyone's saying, well, Landon Tangwall is going to be in at guard. Or there's Sal Wormley and then Caden Wallace. He got done. How many times were criticizing Caden Wallace last season? How many times uh, Sal Wormley was out due to uh, some some injuries? And then you have Landon Tangwell who's coming back from an injury. Is he going to be ready? If I'm being honest, because Hunter Norzad's moving to center, if Landon Tangwell's not ready, Vanga Yuane is going to start at left guard. Okay? He, he's very capable. So I, I don't know that he's going to be ready week one, but Vanga Yuane will step in if Tangwall is not. And, and this is another guy that Penn State really believes in that they see this guy as uh, someone who can be uh, a serious NFL prospect, someone that they think can be an anchor on the line of scrimmage and ask these guys about the coach, you know, ask the coaches about these players, just ask them, right? The media does is specifically about players over the summer. Uh, and they light up when you mentioned Vanga, you want a Phil Trout one, a James Franklin, they light up. They did the same thing when Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen were the story over the summer because they knew what was coming. It's kind of the same case here with Vanga Yuane. That's going to do it for the first segment for breakout candidates. Let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube who you think can be a breakout player for Penn State this upcoming season. When we come back, Penn State's new needs in the transfer portal. What does Penn State need now that some guys have moved in, like a Jaden Dotton, Kevon Lee, Jamari Budden, and the receivers that they got? Cornerback, Storm Duck. Was that enough? 
We'll address that next. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about the new sportsbook betting partner of Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, and that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place just one $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even have a bigger chance for better payouts with the same game parlay all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. But you got to make sure you check out the brand new show, and that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and Adam Sheets is going to be joining the show as well. We are going to be talking about that ugly game against Rutgers that Penn State had to go with for men's basketball, and then they got Michigan coming up tomorrow. That's going to be Sunday, January 29th, and that tips off in the Bryce Jordan Center. Adam's going to join us on this episode to talk about that in the final segment coming up. But new needs in the transfer portal for Penn State football. Who do they need? What do they need? I mean, they got two wide receivers. They got the starting cornerback they were after. So they're done, right? Wrong. Uh, and, and the way the transfer portal set up. So, oh, well, the, I thought the transfer portal closed. It it did. It's closed for now. For now. Uh, but for 45 days, it's going to be shut until May 1st. And then there's going to be a 15-day period from May 1st to May 15th where people can go back in the transfer portal. I think Penn State's done well in the transfer portal so far. I don't think they need a whole lot. They got the two wide receivers. They got a kicker. They got a punter. They got a starting cornerback, as I mentioned. So they address some needs. There's going to be some competition on special teams. They got the wide receivers to fill out some depth and, and someone that really rounds out the defense and storm ducks. So but they they do they definitely need some more players and people I thought that they were going to pick up uh, initially, but they haven't just yet. So I, I will start with the most obvious one. I don't know what people are going to say. Oh, that's defensive line, right? No. Quarterback. Penn State needs a quarterback out of the transfer portal. I, I'm back on my kick of it. They need a veteran grad transfer to come in. Aller, Prabula, Smolik, no starts. No official starts. The only in-game experience is Drew Allers in, you know, the, the garbage time, the, the late game experience. There's no veteran presence in this room to continue to mold that young talent. Are we just assuming that a 19-year-old Drew Aller uh, is going to be the, the man all of a sudden, right? Uh, let's hope. You know, I think he has all the talent in the world, but what's his maturity level? Um, is Prabula ready to go in if Drew Aller were to miss time? We, we don't know that. And then things are really bad if Jackson Smolik has to go in. I'd like him to redshirt. I do not want him to see the football field, period. And I think that's just, we're just, we're speaking kindly. It's no disrespect to any of these kids' talents. But Ohio State did it. Michigan did it. 
Well, Michigan's got JJ McCarthy. Michigan's got uh, Ohio State has Devin Brown or Kyle McCord. Why do they need? They still out and they still went out and did it. Ohio State just went out and got Tristan Jebbia from Oregon State. He's a seventh year senior. Kyle McCord's been in the program for three years. Devin Brown for two, and, and they go and get Jebbia from Oregon State. Jack Tuttle transferred from Indiana to Michigan, and we saw what Jack Tuttle did to Penn State before he got hurt. And a little bit of a headache. They had no problems against Indiana, but uh, Tuttle certainly made it interesting in the first quarter. Wouldn't you want that in the quarterback room for Penn State? Absolutely. Someone who's going to push the youngsters and, and make them better and, and compete, and someone that you can rely on and go in in case uh, someone's not doing their job. Uh, let's move on to another obvious position now, and that's running back. Uh, kind of, it becomes a need now since Kevon Lee is in the transfer portal. And no disrespect to Tank Smith, I think he's a capable running back. However, uh, just somebody else that can add some depth. And the same thing, can you find that grad transfer veteran? Maybe uh, a John Lovett type, someone who has maybe one year left of eligibility that can get that grad degree uh, and play a year at Penn State and, and be, you know, in a versatile role, someone who can still get about five to 10 touches a game, uh, maybe and still give Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton a breather. It's important. Penn state wants a rotation at running back. They won't, they don't just want one guy handling all the responsibility. You want to bring somebody in that understands that they are the third back, uh, and they understand that role because Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, uh, are as good as they come and they can start anywhere. Uh, this is one that personally, I don't think they need, but offensive line and why I bring it up is because Penn state said it. Penn State was targeting offensive tackles in the beginning, and that was even with Caden Wallace coming back. But they knew Bryce Efner was going to retire and finish his college career. But I think Drew Shelton can be that guy, that, that rotational offensive lineman that can play a little bit of guard, can rotate between left and right tackle wherever they need him to be. Um, but I also think Penn State understands that uh, depth is pretty limited there. Uh, and Bryce Efner could have come back. He decided not to. And now they're in this situation. Uh, the last one, because Penn State, again, has said it, and everybody on the internet seems to agree, defensive tackle is another place. Uh, Aeneas Hawkins said it yesterday. Go check out that episode. Uh, we talked about the defensive line uh, all the way through, you know, from the defensive ends to the guys in the interior. And we both agreed that the defensive tackles are good. It's not a matter of talent. Everybody thinks that Penn State needs a 350-pound nose guard, and that's not what this defense needs. They need athletic guys, uh, but they could definitely boost the depth. So if James Franklin and Penn State say that they need depth at defensive tackle, then I'm going to listen to them because I think they know what's best. It is Locked on Nittany Lions. Final segment, we welcome back Adam Sheets to talk Penn State men's basketball, the ugly loss against Rutgers, and what's to come against Michigan. That is on the way. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko, your host as always, and joined by a special guest. He is Penn State men's basketball insider for Com Radio Sports at Penn State University, and that is Adam Sheets. Adam, thanks so much for joining me. I wish under better circumstances here, but we got to talk about it anyway because that sucked. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah, yeah, it was it wasn't easy to watch, you know, out there at Rutgers. You know they had a bad first half and you're like, Oh, maybe they can figure out in the second half. And the second half was somehow worse than the first half for them. So just not a good game for Penn state out in Piscataway last night. Well, uh, I'm glad to see that you haven't been totally affected by it. Um, you know, <laughs> you cover this team head, uh, head to toe. Uh, and 
they got they got Michigan coming up. Uh, but let's let's talk about the Scarlet Knights first. Uh, that was sixty five to forty five. Uh, that was a game that it felt like Rutgers controlled from start to finish. They're a very good defensive team. We knew that, but Penn State was four of twenty six from three point range. I, I mean, some nights you just don't have it. Uh, I don't want to take the credit for coining the phrase live by the three, die by the three, but that's what everybody's been saying. Uh, and here we are uh, death by the sword in this case, as no one could make a shot, even though Seth Lundy uh, had some really tough shots. Not all of them were threes, but it's just like, man, sometimes I look back and I'm like, what can't son Seth Lundy make uh, when he's got a hand in his face or he's just at a weird angle. So uh, for Penn state, was it just a cold shooting night? Should we be concerned or is Rutgers just that good? They're better than last year, even though I thought they lost a good bit from last year's team. They did lose a good bit, but Rutgers has done a great job rebuilding. Steve Peichel has done a great job coaching that team. I think I've listened to Steve Jones, the voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions, a couple times this week tell tell us that you know Steve Peichel has done a great job finding a way to win with this team, and it's not pleasant to watch. You know, you, they're not a fun team. They're not a team that's going to no. go out there and win eighty to seventy seven in a game. It's like, oh, that was just really fun to watch. They play ugly basketball, really gritty basketball. The way Coach Shrewsbury kind of his motto, they use that. They play physical and they do their job and they did that in this game some of it was self-inflicted by Penn State you know they got some open looks and just couldn't hit anything wasn't their night shooting the basketball but then offensively Rutgers just pounded Penn State on the interior went straight inside that's what kind of led to coach Shrewsbury's frustrations after the game in the press conference you know calling out Penn State's defense in that game because you know Rutgers is a team that's going to go inside but Penn State didn't really make it hard on him for a little bit. Amori really had his way. Paul Mulcahy was able to drive inside a lot on this Penn State defense. There really was no stopping them on the interior from anybody on Penn State's team. So just a really tough night. Credit to Rutgers. They're a team that's right now ranked 19th in the net rankings, which is very important for the NCAA tournament. So they're in a good spot right now. And they were able to get that win over Penn State in dominating fashion and stay in this race for that top four seed in the Big Ten. It's so so close but that double buy is huge when you get to the conference tournament and Rutgers right there as we head towards February. Yeah. And Penn state, you know, again, falling a little bit behind. I thought since, you know, Rutgers conference record with Penn state was so close, you know, they're only one game ahead. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see why Penn state and they moved from a six point dog to then a seven point. And I said, this, this just, this doesn't seem right. Uh, and the, the books had it pretty accurately here because when you look back at the highlights, Amori and Hyatt both had their ways. Like their their stats don't overwhelm you, but that's because they didn't have to do a whole lot. They had free range to the basket. They had free range defensively. Um, I mean, there's just a lot I take away that I, I still look at. You know, I I kind of turned a blind eye to it. The front court, it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Can can Penn State? I, I don't think that Penn State can make it this far without any sort of presence in the front court. Uh, Keba Jai, Caleb Dorsey, uh, you know, having Evan Mahaffey basically play a really short five position. He's he's been effective at times. Is Penn State going to figure it out in the front quarter? Are they just all in on, on shooting the basketball as much as they can? 
I don't think they'll figure it out this season by one guy. I think Kabajai did not play horrible for what he's been giving Penn State against mm-hmm. Rutgers. Very limited time. He's not a guy you're going to chuck out there for 30-plus minutes and expect him to be a big-time contributor. When he was in, I thought he did his job. Ended with a plus-plus-minus. The only guy that was plus for this Penn State team in the plus-minus category against Rutgers. But they don't have a lot of depth there. Keba's kind of a mixed five. He's naturally a power forward being forced to play center by necessity. Yeah. I mean, Caleb Dorsey's a guy who hasn't got a lot of time, recently played a little bit against Rutgers. Michael Hensman in and out of the lineup at times, really inconsistent with his minutes. And Demetrius Lilly had an injury early in the season has completely stunted his growth and development this season. For now, we haven't really seen him at all in Big Ten play, and he was that other guy you were kind of hoping maybe to fill in in that five position. So you've had to go small by necessity that they really don't have anybody to put in there to really guard those five positions, which is why it's so important for them to knock down these outside shots because they're not going to have that interior presence offensively or defensively counteract that by knocking down threes and when they don't you're going to see games like that Rutgers game where they just can't score and the other team can't be stopped on the interior so it's going to be something it's hard to fix in the middle of the season because you don't have any new guys it's not like the NBA where you can make a trade and go get a big guy somewhere which I'm sure they'd love to do right now but you know it's going to be something they're going to have to live with find a way to maybe put some like duct tape on that hole for Penn State right now and then fo- focus on it in the transfer portal as well as you have Kerry Booth coming in in this recruiting class you maybe can fix for next season but this season just going to have to live by it and hopefully you knock down shots and maybe Keba Jai can step up and continue his development to maybe be more of an impactful player as late February and early March come around. Is Miles Dredd okay? Because uh, Andrew Funk, uh, I don't think, and, and it's not, oh, Miles Dredd is really only holding this team back. You know, when the collectively you're making four three pointers, that's going to lose you a game every single time. But then I said, you know, Andrew Funk's a huge X factor here. You know, when he's ice cold, the team loses. When he's red hot, they win. And now it's like, I think the forgotten piece here is Miles Dredd. He had 11 points just a, a game ago, but other than back in December, he didn't have double digits in any game. It's a five, six. What is he just not healed up from the shoulder injury from a, a season ago? Is he playing out of position? What what kind of insight do you have for Miles Dredd and his late performances? I think there's a lot going on with Miles. I think he's still really valuable to this team because he's a guy who can play that small ball five just because of how big he is, not height-wise, just strength. He can mm-hmm. bang around with those big guys. He's 6'4", plays like he's 6'10", 6'11", so he's a guy you can chuck there in the middle and just play physical and bang around with some big guys down low. He's kind of an interesting thing offensively because he's not a guy who's going to take you off the dribble. He's not a guy who's going to score himself. He relies heavily on guys like Jalen Pickett or a Cameron Winter creating for them and kicking out to him open in the corner. He had an off night last night, 0 for 5. And there's been some games early this season in Big Ten play where he's been a little more passive than I'm sure Coach Shrewsbury would have liked, maybe passing up some open looks. But as I said, he's a guy who had some opportunities yesterday when he drove inside, had opportunities maybe to finish and was looking to kick out instead of just taking the layup. I think that's just maybe a confidence thing when he's driving, looking to make that extra pass instead of looking for himself at times. So he's a guy that you got to got to get that confidence back for him because when he's shooting the ball well, he completely changes the way they can play because he can play that five position at times defensively. And if he can shoot it they're almost unguardable on the offensive side 
Adam Sheets is the Penn State men's basketball insider. That's why he joins us on this show frequently to get caught up when it comes to the Nittany Lions and Micah Shrewsbury. They got to pivot and, and focus on Michigan. You can't dwell on Rutgers. You, you just kind of have to swallow the pill and, and move forward. And Hunter Dickinson, who had a an easy night the last time they faced them, Michigan ultimately won that game. And I, I want to sit here and say I feel like Penn State can win this game, but I just still it, – it's tough to bring myself – uh, with these teams that just are so good in the front court and just so they're just oversized, they're outmatched. Uh, Keba Jai can't go up against a Hunter Dickinson. So uh, how does Penn state surprise and pull this one off? It is the Thon game. So there is a little bit of motivation involved in the Bryce Jordan center come Sunday. Uh, Michigan's also going to be coming off against a tough game against Purdue. You know, they, they got to deal with that one before they go into the Bryce Jordan center. So uh, for the Nittany lions, what do they need to do to surprise and beat the Wolverines? I think they had a decent game plan going to Michigan. Michigan just outplayed them in that game. We were able to win by 10. It was a good game back and forth at times. Penn State kept it close, but Michigan able to pull out that win. So they had a good game plan. Going to have to figure some things out there. They're going to have to play good help defense interiorly. It's not just going to be Keba Jai. You can't play him one-on-one, Hunter Dickinson one-on-one. Or if you are, you have to make sure you're closing out on those three-point shooters because if you're playing them one-on-one, you're saying we don't want them kicking out to threes. If they're knocking down threes and killing in, inside they're going to be hard hard to beat any team's hard when that's happening Joey Baker played really well against Penn State the last time he played he was their three-point shooter Jet Howard got it going had a good matchup we thought Seth Lundy would be able to guard him but Jet Howard really had his way in that one so it's going to be crucial for Penn State to play good defensively I'm sure they're going to come out very motivated because after the way Coach Shrewsbury was talking after that Rutgers game cannot imagine this is not going to be all defense leading up to this game in practice with little offense coming with it um and and just looking at what Penn State's going to have to do offensively, they're going to have to find a way to not shoot four of 26 from three, have to knock down shots. They've been really good at home. They're home-to-road splits. They've been really good shooting the ball inside the Bryce Jordan Center. So that's something maybe they're going to be able to take with them. They've scored a lot of points. Remember, they had that game against Indiana where we were looking. We're like, oh, they lost to Michigan. They lost to Purdue. How are they going to bounce back against Trace Jackson Davis, another great big? And they beat Indiana by 19 points. So they have that where they've been in this situation before. Now going up against Michigan at home, it's an opportunity where they're going to have some good matchups going their way. Going to see if Jalen Pickett, you get some help because they didn't have a lot of balance at Rutgers. Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy, and Andrew Funk combined for 39 points. Only got six from the rest of the team. So going to have to be more balanced offensively and they can knock down shots. They'll have a good opportunity. Should be a good game. I do like Penn State at home in this one, but it's definitely going to be tough, especially for Michigan coming off. They play Purdue on Thursday, so short rest compared to what Penn State has after playing on Tuesday. Yeah, it, this feels like a game that Penn State can somehow shock and win. I just, the, the realist in me, uh, using some logic, it still doesn't make too much sense, but I, I know it will be close. Uh, just Penn State's going to have to play near perfect basketball to get that win. But uh, great stuff as always, Adam. That's why I love having you on the show. Of course, where can people follow your work, Adam? At Sheets Adam on Twitter, that's where you'll see all the Penn State content for this basketball team, hopefully as they try to turn it around against Michigan on Sunday. All right, Adam, thanks for your time again, as always, and we'll catch up after the Penn State-Michigan game. Thanks, Zach. Always a pleasure. Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. For your second listen, you got to check out the brand new show that is Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, coaches, and more. That is Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, just like this show. 
Locked on Nittany Lions. If you haven't already, subscribe on the YouTube channel. Help us continue to push to 850, 900, eventually 1,000 subscribers. I really appreciate the support. It makes this a lot more fun doing it with you guys in the conversation. And we're going to continue that conversation around breakout candidates for next season, defensive guys who I think on the defense could step up for the Nittany Lions and still more to come on Penn State men's basketball and wrestling. Wrestling taken on Iowa. My reaction to that is on the way. Plus, Penn State men's basketball. Uh, what's the last-ditch effort here to get in the tournament? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I jumped off the bandwagon, but they got a lot of opportunities to get some quad one wins, and we'll break that all down and more right here on Locked on Nittany Lions.